14, so have a little fun. All right, uh, head over to Galatians 5. We're going to be in a passage that many of us uh, know, so it'll be good to, to, good to walk through it as a part of our weekend. To further wake us up, I'm going to give you all a little quiz. Great. Y'all, look, y'all studied for it last night, whether you know it or not, so I think you'll be fine. All right, it's just a simple, true-false test, okay? You're 50-50 shot already, so 105. One time, fun fact, one time I took a test in high school that was 28 questions of true-false. All of them were false except the last one was true. That really wigged me out, and I didn't know what to do. I did not get 100 because I put the last one as false because I thought he was putting all of his false. All right, true-false. Everyone has fruit. True. Everyone bears fruit. Christians bear fruit and non-Christians bear fruit. Are, is the fruit that they bear the same? No. no. Okay, good job. Y'all are doing good. True or false? Fruit comes from your mind. Where does it come? Man, two for two. All right. True or false? I can force my heart to change by doing good things. False. We can't force our heart to change, right? That's what we want to see this weekend, right? Our heart has to change from the inside and then outs. True or false? Fruit is important. True. Why is it important? Shows you're a disciple of God. All right. So the actions of our lives that come out of our affections, um, our actions and our attitudes, right, all of those point to the reality inside our heart. They point to whether we are a, a Christian, that we've been transformed by the gospel, um, or they point to the reality that we haven't, and we're still in our sin and in our flesh and enemies with God uh, because of that. So the main idea for this morning is that the actions of our life give evidence to what we really believe. At the end of the day, our actions are going to speak for themselves. And that's why I, I encouraged all of us to be honest as we went to, to group last night. Because we can fool ourselves oftentimes. We can lie to ourselves and begin to believe those lies um, about the inner state of our heart. So it's very, very important for us to have a, a genuine glimpse or a genuine knowledge of who we are. And by that, we have to be honest with our actions and with our fruit that we bear. Um, so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 24. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to have your word, to see your word, to read your word. And God, by your spirit, understand, comprehend, and apply your word. God, I ask that in this time we would take a passage that we are familiar with and not just write it off as something we learned when we were smaller. God, that we would see this, we would see that this is the living word of God and it applies to our life now. God, show us what it means to walk in the spirit and what what the fruit of the flesh are and what the fruit of the spirit are. God, reveal our fruit to us. Let us be honest with ourselves about our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be looking at three things as we walk through this passage this morning. We're going to be looking at what it means to walk by the Spirit. That's what he says in verse 16. He commands, it says, walk by the Spirit. Then after that, we're going to look and see what the fruit of the flesh are. What does it mean to not be a Christian, to not have the Spirit of God living within us? And then lastly, we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. What does it mean to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you and then living in a life that brings glory to God through obedience? So first, walking by the Spirit. I'm going to reread the verses for us. 16 through 18. Now Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So let's get a definition of walking by the Spirit. There's not necessarily a concrete one. So here's how I want us to think about walking by the Spirit, okay? I want us to think walking by the Spirit as yielding to the Spirit of God every day and everywhere. So in everything that you do, you are not living for yourself, okay? You are submitting to what God wants from you and in obedience, joyfully following that, okay? So we are seeing God's word, reading it, loving it, and applying it to our lives. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And only Christians can walk by the Spirit, right? Non-Christians, you can't force yourself to do this. Only a Christian can walk by the Spirit, right? I want that to be clear. We can't force ourselves to do it. Only the Spirit of God within us can lead us to it. Non-Christians can sometimes be obedient to God, right? That's how sometimes people will grow up and say that they're Christians and they think they are, but then they, they drift away, right? They've, they've seen obedience in their life, and they've misunderstood it. But non-Christians um, cannot uh, be obedient to the Word of God in a manner that is walking by the Spirit. So in this, we learn three truths about Christians when they walk by the Spirit. The first is that the Christian life is the one that desires to walk by the Spirit. It desires to walk by the Spirit. We think of people who um, say they're Christians, but... Their life does not give evidence to that, right? Do people, we have people in our mind who say they're Christians, but their life doesn't look like it. Yes, okay. This bothers us because we know deep down something about Christians has to be different. You can't say you're a Christian, but live like your sinful non-Christian friends, all right? We all, I think we would all agree with that. There's something about Christians that need to be different. Head over to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All right. This isn't just something we feel, it's actually biblical. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you accept Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you repent from your sin and Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you become a new creation. You don't become a better you. You're not the best version of yourself when you're following Jesus, right? You become a new creation. The Bible teaches us that Christianity is more than just asking Jesus to forgive you. And we don't just ask Jesus into our heart to continue to live like we want. It's repenting from our sin and submitting to Jesus as both our Savior and our Lord. And the only way to live a life pleasing to the Lord is to live a life for His glory and that is led by the Spirit. But, that being said, Christians, will you still sin? Yes. Christians will have to battle sin, not just when they just become a Christian, throughout their life. Head over to Romans 7. Christians can fail and will fail. It's not a maybe. They will fail to walk by the Spirit. We will fall to sin. Okay? There are going to be moments in our life when we are no longer focused on God. We're focused on ourselves. Romans 7. Now, this is the same guy. All right? Paul wrote the book of Galatians. He also wrote this. So this is the same guy speaking to us right here. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members, uh, I see them in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So it's pause. Paul right here is saying, why do I keep sinning? I hate that I sin. He's saying, I love God. I pursue the things of the Lord, but I'm at war within me. My members, my body continue to desire sin. Who is going to save me from this? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So here's what we're saying. Throughout the Christian life, this is Paul. Right, one of the, if we were going to compare it in a human perspective, one of the holiest guys who ever lived, okay, as a Christian. He is saying that he struggles to sin. So are you, should you as a Christian be surprised when you struggle to sin? No. But is Paul okay with his sin here? Paul isn't like, man, I sin, I really like it, God will forgive me. It's cool. No, there is deep anguish in his knowledge of his sin. He is not okay with his sin. It's a battle. And Christians, we're going to look at our sin and we're going to hate it. Non-Christians aren't. If you're not a Christian, you're going to see your sin. You may, be, you may feel guilty every once in a while, but there's not going to be that hatred of your sin like a Christian will feel. All right, second truth. The Christian, when walking by the Spirit, will put sin to death. All right, let's go back to Galatians. I want us to read verse 16. Right, when we're walking by the Spirit, we see what happens. Galatians 5.16. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're walking by the Spirit, is Paul like, you may live in obedience? No. He's saying, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The reason we sin as Christians is because we take our eyes off the Lord 
and we look to the things that we want and that we desire as sinners. If we are walking by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And last, uh, the last thing that Christians will see is that the Christian experiences freedom when being led by the Spirit. A lot of times, I talk to young people, and this is something I've experienced in my life. I talk to people who are Christians, they profess to be Christians, and there's this, this deep anguish in their life. They may, be, they may be questioning their salvation, they may be doing a, a whole host of things, right? But there's just this deep hurt inside. And the reason there's that deep hurt is because we're not listening to what the Bible tells us to do. We're not fleeing from our sin. So as Christians, we can run to sin, right? We, we've seen this on Sunday mornings. We're talking about how David, right, committed adultery and then killed her husband, right? That was David running to sin, head on, I might add, right? He experienced a deep anguish because of that sin. And if we as Christians continue to live in our sin and pursue it, we're going to feel anguish. And un, not repenting from sin is evidence of the fret of the flesh, not the spirit. That's more evidence, honestly, that you're not a Christian than you are a Christian. So that should, if you're a Christian, you're living unrepentant skin, unrepentant sin that should scare you. All right, we have to run away from our sin, but there's freedom when we flee from our sin and we are led by the Spirit. Uh, we don't have that guilt. If you're led by the Spirit, you don't have it. You have the deep joy <laughs> that that I am in union and communion with Christ. That's why in, in Psalm 51, David says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When we're not living in sin and living and walking by the Spirit, we have joy in our salvation. So here are three, write these down, three practical ways for us to walk in the Spirit daily. Right? This isn't some, walking by the Spirit isn't something you do once a week. Right? You have to actively, daily, hourly choose to walk in the Spirit uh, with the power of the Spirit working in you. All right, so the first way is prayer. Now we can say, all these are Sunday school answers, so I'm just going to get that out of the way, but some of them Sunday school answers are good, right? First one is prayer. We need to talk to our Lord. We need to talk to our Father. We need to talk to our Savior. God wants us to talk to Him. He wants us to sit and vent about the things we struggle God knows what we're struggling with, guys. He wants us to acknowledge that and ask for um, Him to, to rid us of that sin. So prayer, reading your Bible. We're not going to be able to walk by the Spirit if we don't read our Bible. We're just not. All right, so we have to actively read our Bible. And third, <clears throat> having good fellowship with other Christians. So we don't live the Christian life in isolation. We are in the fellowship of brothers and sisters on a consistent basis. And there we see iron sharpening iron. Right, brothers and sisters, convicting us of sin and calling us to repentance. All right, now as walking by the Spirit, let's see the fruit of the flesh. And these are going to be... Uh, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. If we got any Iwana people in here, y'all, I don't have any candy to give you. I'm sure you've memorized the fruit of the flesh and the spirit before. Um, so let's get to verse 19. We're going to read through 21. <clears throat> it says, the works of the flesh are evident. So I'm going to pause before I read. All right, works of the flesh are evident. They're not really, it's not like there's a question mark. Maybe that was a work of the flesh right now. He's saying the works of the flesh are evident. And this list right here is not exhaustive. Right, Paul didn't, this isn't everything, right? These aren't all the works of the flesh. This is just a lot of them, right? The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, 
jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the flesh, what we just read, is evidence that we, one, have not been changed by the gospel. So if you're living in the fruit of the flesh, and you're like, whatever, guns are blazing, that's evidence that you are not a Christian. Or number two, we are failing to live as obedient Christians and need to repent from our sin. So you can be a Christian and fail to walk by the Spirit. That's why Christians sin. That's why Christians fail and sometimes fail uh, severely. Right? They're failing to walk by the Spirit. So those are the only two options with the fruit of the flesh. All right? So let's walk through the list. We're not going to go through them individually. I have four categories of sin for us. All right? The first is sexual sin. Um, sexual sin is especially difficult in our culture. It is in our face uh, every day. Every minute throughout the day, sometimes it feels we're just being bombarded with a desire to run to sexual sin. And it's because our, our, our culture has um, kind of elevated um, its desire for that um, in, a, in a very unhealthy way. Um, this is going to produce in us, one of the ways that this sexual sin in us is going to produce itself is lust. We're going to lust after things, lust after people in a way, and that, that's sexual sin, but one of the worst ways um, as middle schoolers and high schoolers is struggling with pornography. Um, this is a way, this is something that has run through students and it has ruined their lives. It has ruined the way they view God's gift to man. Um, and it has it is hurt you. Um, it, is, it has harmed us severely. If you're struggling with these things, lust, pornography, any sexual sin, it is evidence that your flesh is reigning over the Spirit. It's not okay to be struggling with it. It's not okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. You're going to struggle with sin. I'm not trying to belittle that. I have struggled with sexual sin in my life. Right? Matt has. Everybody has struggled with sexual sin in their life. Okay? It's not okay to live in it and to embrace it. We have to repent from that. So if you're struggling with it, even though the world's telling you it's good and you should pursue it, you have to repent and you have to tell somebody. You have to tell me, you have to tell Matt, you have to tell your parents, you have to tell your leaders. Tell somebody. Because as long as that sin is within you and you choose to not tell anybody, it's going to stay and it's going to fester. All right? So we need to get it out in the air, repent from it, and run. All right. Second category is religious, religious sin. Um, specifically, this plays itself out in the form of idolatry. Right? We're going to want things other than God. Things in our life can easily become more important than God. Right? That's what Paul is speaking to here. Okay? Um, things like relationships. Um, I am going to love my group of friends more than anybody else. I'm going to pursue my group of friends, and as long as I have my group of people that I love, I'm okay. Okay? That's idolatry. You're idolatrizing, or you're making your friends an idol. I don't even know how to say that. All right? Um, video games. 
spend hours and hours and hours a day playing video games. And video games are not wrong in and of themselves. But I believe fully if you spend 10 hours a day playing video games, that's not right. Our phones. I know it's a struggle for some of us to give, our, give up our phones. Um, it would be a struggle for me to give up. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't be hard for me too, right? It would be hard. Our phones easily become our idols. We lose our mind when we don't have them. We have to be on them. We have to be in communication with our friends on social media all, all the time. So we're struggling with relationships, video games, friends. I'll have conversations with you guys throughout the week in, in the porch. And I'll, I'll typically ask you if you're reading your Bible. And the answer is typically no. And the most frequent excuse that I get is I don't have time. That's not true. We are choosing other things over the Bible. We are choosing other things over prayer. It has become an idol to us. That is sin. We are living in rebellion against the Lord. We need to repent. For that. I know it's hard. Some of us don't like reading. I get it. Some of us, it's hard to read. Talk to Matt. Fig- find a way. It's not, o- it's not okay to just ignore it. You need to push after it. All right. Third category of sin is relational. It says fighting, being bitter, having broken trust, jealousy. All these things come out of uh, sin between your friends, between acquaintances, whatever it may be. Um, gossip is terrible. There are people who reject Christianity because other Christians gossip. I know one of them is very dear to me. He has rejected the faith because of gossip. He hates the church because of gossip. That's not okay. All right? We need to take gossip seriously. It's not harmless. It harms people. Uh, Anger. Having gossip, fighting, bitterness, all this produces anger, and it ultimately produces broken relationships, right? All this relational sin is just going to fracture um, our ability to be with one another. The last sin is overindulgence, spending too much time on things that are not necessarily bad, right? We can go, we can go back to the phone or video game illustration for this, right? Um, friendships is another one, right? We're spending too much time with our friends, and it's becoming... Um, an overindulgence for us. Um, so we could read this list, and these are, these are things that every Christian has struggled with, is struggling with, or will struggle with, okay? We can read that, and we can get scared. We can say, I have done one, I have done one of these things, right? I've been jealous, whatever, okay? We can see that and maybe get a little scared. Like maybe, verse 21 is true of me, verse 21 um, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's something we need to remember, okay? These sins that we just talked about, in verse 21 specifically, it's focusing on people who live a lifestyle categorized or characterized by what we just read. If your life is this, what we just read, that's not good. If you're pursuing those sins daily, that's not good. Verse 21 may be true of you, okay? So if we're going to struggle with sin, but the, um, the warning that Paul gives us here is for people who live in it unrepentantly. Okay. Everybody, take a break. Andrew's being really tough on me this morning. 
I'm sorry. Let's get to the fruit of the Spirit. Let's get a little, get a little more positive up in here. I wore a happy shirt so we can all like enjoy and remember that we're at the beach. All right, fruit of the Spirit. How many of us have memorized this at one point in our life? That, no, y'all are lying. Okay, this side of the room. Y'all are lying, all right. Okay, verse 22 through 20. Uh, let's stop. I meant to ask you to do this. I hope y'all wrote down the, the four categories of sin, but I want y'all to make sure you write down the fruit of the Spirit um, as we walk through it. Um, leaders, if you want to have the four categories of sin that I talked about afterward, come to me, because it might be helpful in your discussion in your small group. All right, write these down. We're going to go through them individually, so you don't have to, like, Scribble really fast. But the fruit of the Spirit. All right, I'm going to pause. One of the misconceptions is that this is fruits, not fruit. As a Christian, you're going to exhibit all of these in some shape, fashion, or form. We can't pick and choose the fruit that is easy for us. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. A lot of these kind of look similar to one another. Like we may look at kindness and goodness and gentleness and be like, those are basically the same thing. They are related closely to one another, but they are slightly different. All right, so first is love. Love is a word thrown around all the time. I do it. I'm not just, like, I, I say I love pizza. I do. Like, I love pizza. But is, am I loving it in the same way that the Bible's using love here? No. no. All right. Love is thrown around. I heard preach. Everyone loves pizza. It's good. Pizza's good. All right. Love, biblically, is self-sacrificial. It's not a feeling. Right? It's an action towards somebody. Right? I am being loving toward you. Right, Christ showed his love for us when he came and gave himself up for us. Right? Self-sacrificial. We are putting others before ourselves. We love, this is tough, we love our enemies. We love when other people are mean to us. We love them. And that, that is maybe the hardest thing in the Bible to keep, to obey. One of the hardest teachings Jesus gives is to love your enemies. But as a Christian, walking by the Spirit, we will love our enemies. We need to love our brothers and sisters. When, when people come to the porch or you go to school, people need to feel loved by you. People don't need to feel like you are mean to them or hate them, right? We want people to feel welcome when they come to Parkwood, okay? We need to be loving toward them. Second, joy. The reason Christians have joy is because of the gospel. We recognize that Christ saved us. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to do enough things, check enough boxes to get God to be happy with us. We say, God saved us, and that's awesome. That produces a joy that lasts throughout our life, right? Uh, joy and happiness, you get confused, they're not the same, right? Uh, you can have joy when you're having the worst day possible, right? You can have joy when you're taking your math test at school. You're not going to be happy when you're taking your math test at school, and if you are, you're crazy. Yeah. Right? We can have joy in every season of life. Third is peace. This is a, a soundness, a calmness because of the gospel. A lot of us struggle deeply with anxiety. 
and we're just worried about what's going to happen, um, what we're going to do with our life, whether he or she likes me. This just produces deep anxiety within us. As believers, we should have peace. We should know that our God who loves us is sovereign, and he will take care of us. I can know without a shadow of a doubt that the God of the universe loves me. That should bring us a deep peace that passes all understanding. Patience. Right? We know what patience is. How many of us struggle with patience? Yes, specifically when I'm driving. I'm trying to work on that. Your friends and your parents get on your nerves, right? Okay? People around you get on your nerves. That's going to happen because we are sinful. All right? As a patient person, you cannot act harshly toward them. If we're acting in patience, we're not treating them poorly because they're being annoying. Right? That's not patience. Patience, another word that's used for, is long-suffering. Right? We don't blow up on them. Don't get angry. Kindness. This is very similar to patience. You're just not being mean. Do people think of you as a nice person? I don't know. That's for you to answer. Right? We don't want people to feel like these, these like angry feelings toward them when they walk to Parkwood. Right? When they're coming to play Foursquare, we shouldn't just like spike the ball at them at 100,000 miles an hour and then laugh at them the first time that they walk in the door. That's maybe not the best way to make friends. All right? I'm no pro, but that may not be it. Okay? We've got to be kind. We've got to be um, good to our kind to them. Excuse me. Goodness is the next one. Goodness is speaking to making good moral decisions, right? Um, we are choosing to do the right things. We're, not, we're choosing to flee sin and to run to um, holiness. And as you get older, this is going to play itself out even more as you gain freedom. You'll have more opportunity to choose sin or to choose obedience, right? Faithfulness. That is being committed to a cause or to a person. We don't give up on somebody because they get on our nerves one time or they make us angry one time. Right? Part of being loving is being faithful. Right? I am going to commit myself to you. Okay? Gentleness. This is humble submission to God's will. Right? And it's having a, this spirit where people are comfortable with you. People shouldn't be scared to come up and talk to you, all right? We want to have a gentle spirit about us. And again, failing to be gentle can absolutely ruin relationships. And last but not least is self-control. That is fleeing and running from things that we should not do. And oftentimes that decision is easy for us, right? We're put in, we're put in a situation where I have choice A and choice B. We know one of them is the correct answer, but it's really hard to choose the right one sometimes. In that moment, we run to the Spirit. We say, God, give me wisdom in this moment. Give me the ability to control my actions and choose the one that will bring, that will honor you through obedience. And as Christians, we're going to see all of these in our lives. But making yourself do these things, apart from the Spirit, changing your heart is not going to fix you. If you're not a Christian, you can't turn to the fruit of the Spirit and try to fix yourself. That's not, that's not why it was written. Okay? These fruits are a part of our lives when we have repented from our sins and 
we have uh, turned to Jesus. We have turned to Christ as our Savior. So what? Let's draw some application. Question is, what fruit do I see in my life? All right. After this lesson, after this sermon right here, you're going to go to small group. And we want y'all, as I said last night, be honest about your sin. All of y'all struggle with sin. A lot of you probably struggle with the same sin. You just don't tell each other. You don't know. All right? So we want you to be honest with your sin about one another. All right? I want you to see what fruit you see in your life. Have you seen a lot of fruit of the flesh, but not a lot of fruit of the Spirit? That should bring us some, some caution. And we're talking about more than just our actions. Okay? What do you desire? What do you think? When it comes to sin, do you love sin or do you hate sin? Because that, more than anything, gives us a glimpse into your heart. What is your attitude towards sin when you fall to it? So, there are going to be three different people in this room this morning. Okay? Person number one. I couldn't come up with clever names for these. So, person number one. You would say, I never or I rarely see the fruit of the Spirit in my life. You look at that list, and you're like, man, I'm the meanest person out here. I just hate everybody, all these things. I struggle with sin. I don't even care. Okay? The Bible would tell us that you are not a Christian. And if, you are, if that is you this morning, and you walk out of here thinking you're not a Christian and knowing you're not a Christian, that's a good thing. I don't want you to fool yourself anymore. If you don't think you're a Christian, tell us. We'll try to figure that out. All right? Here's a quote. It says, Fellowship or a relationship with God must be given practical proof. Right? The fact that we have a relationship with God must be given practical proof. A complete disregard for holiness or living a life that walks by the Spirit indicates that we do not have a relationship with Christ and we are not in Him. If there is no proof of your salvation, there is no reason for us to think that you are a Christian. Person number two, you can say, I consistently see the fruit of the Spirit in my life as a result of my belief in the gospel. The Bible would tell us that you are a Christian. And I would encourage you to continue to walk by the Spirit. There are going to be times in your life when you're tempted to sin. And there are going to be times in your life when you fall to sin. And all the guilt and all the shame that comes with it is going to come into your life. In that moment, remind yourself of the gospel, that Jesus died for me. And even though I sinned, I cannot pull myself away from Jesus. Jesus is holding me fast. But Christians who are living a life that walks by the Spirit, you're going to experience joy and satisfaction. You're not going to have that guilt and shame that comes with sin. You're going to enjoy Every moment of every day when you, uh, you're going to have joy through every moment of every day when you get to know that you have good communion with the Father. The third person says, I used to see godly fruit in my life, but now I don't see it very often. The Bible would tell us that you are failing to walk in the Spirit and living in sin, and you need to repent. So this is people that say, I've got a pretty, pretty solid mix in my life, Right? Got a lot of fruit of the flesh, but I got some fruit of the Spirit in there. This category of people cannot be confident 
cannot be as confident about their salvation as the Christian who is consistently walking by the Spirit. This person, you're going to experience bondage and fear and guilt and dissatisfaction. And that's a dark place to be. Living in unrepentant sin is going to bring a lot of dissatisfaction and guilt into your life. At various points in my life, I have fallen into all three of these categories. Obviously, I was not a Christian at one point, okay? There have been times in my life, there have been times throughout every Christian's life where they're the person number three, where they're living in unrepentant sin. The attitude of us as Christians, brothers and sisters, doesn't need to be God has forgiven me so I can do what I want. We have to repent from our sin. We need to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to encourage you like you did last night. Don't hide your sin. Right? Be honest with us about your sin. Um, so this is probably the last time I'll preach to y'all. I know. Sorry. Don't, I mean, this wasn't, this isn't a clap, so. I'm not trying to get, like, I don't know. That, that wasn't what this was, okay? So here, I grew up, I grew up in Parkwood. Like, I was in y'all's seat, right? I was 11, 12, 13, growing up in Parkwood. I became a Christian when I was younger. I want y'all to know this, Okay? The gospel is not something to take seriously when you're older. People die young. And that stinks, but it's true. You can't say, I'll get real with Jesus when I'm in college. Because I tell you what, that's not the place that you're going to get right with God. All right? That's when you continue to live in your sin. God loves y'all. Listen, listen. The person who hates themselves right now because of sin, God loves you. It's not okay for you to be in your sin. You need to remind yourself of the gospel. We have to be serious about pursuing a life that loves Jesus. Lukewarm Christianity is not okay. We have to be on fire for the Lord, and please, please pursue that. Okay? I don't want y'all to just be okay with your sin. And I'm not trying to be mean. I just know that God hates sin, and if we pursue sin, we're saying we don't love God. So this weekend is a better time than any to be honest and to be real about your sin and to repent from it and to be reconciled to our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Let me pray for us. God, <clears throat> thank you for sending Christ to save us. We don't deserve you at all. We never deserve you. But God, your spirit dwells in those who love you. I pray you would grow our love for you, God. I pray you would give us a glimpse into, the, into our fruit, that we would be able to see what life we are really living that we would know whether or not we are a Christian. God, give us clarity in that. For the Christian in here, I pray you would give them the strength, God, that you would guide them to walk by your spirit daily, that they may not fall into the sin that you hate so much. God, give us wisdom. Grow our love for you. Please grow our hatred for our sin. We love you, Father. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.